in Psalms 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. I don't know if any of you all have been outside in the evening time all week. It's been some beautiful evenings and the moon and the stars. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing to, to look at that and think about our Creator who made a way to be our Savior and the one that would never leave us or forsake us. Yet, I believe that that glory is only a very small glimpse of what we're all going to see when we cross over the other side. I want, to, uh, I want us to open our Bibles this morning to Hebrews 11. Thursday night, as I was thinking about this morning, it was late, all the kids were in bed, and didn't really have any direction, any thought for a, a message this morning. And I was praying that God would show me what he would like me to say. What do I need to hear? What do we need to hear as a church? And you know, these are, these are different, at least for me, uh, different times when it comes to prayer because all of my life I've been able to pray and ask God for some sort of direction or answer. But if I didn't really hear anything or didn't really know, I could... I could dial 3211828 and get pretty close. In the last few weeks, I've realized that I just have to keep waiting. And it's made prayer become very important. And I've realized in praying about this message that, you know, all this truth has been planted into all of us over the years. Yet there are moments when that truth kind of becomes alive and it becomes personal. And I realize that for myself and for you, that for the rest of our lives from now until eternity, we are completely dependent upon God. And... Although you say, well, we already knew that. Well, I did too. But it's really becoming something that is real. And as I thought about that, I realized the message for this morning was right there in front of me. And it is a message that we need this morning. And we need every, every while, every phase, every, every part of our life. We need the message that I believe God is going to speak to us this morning. And that is that the one thing that we must have as we pass through this life and to eternity, the key to our Christian lives is faith. We have to have faith. We have to have faith not only in God, we have to have faith in who He is. We have to have faith in His Word, in His promises, in His power. In his love and his mercy, we have to have faith that he hears us when we pray. We have to have faith that he holds the future. Faith is the key to our Christian life. And it hit me just all of a sudden, and I realized that is the most important thing that we have, is our faith. And if you don't mind this morning, I want to preach a message on faith. And I want us to consider 
our lives in the race that is set before us and how important faith plays in that. I want to title the message this morning, Faith to Finish. And I want us to turn to Hebrews 11, and I want to define what you already know. But for the sake of our message, I want to define faith as being trust, confidence. It can be an attitude of the heart. The Bible says that with the heart, man believes. But faith is taking God at his word, as simple as that sounds. And a faith to finish, when we talk about finish, by definition, we would say to finish is to conclude or accomplish a purpose. So if we put it together, the trust and the confidence and the taking God at his word so that we can conclude and accomplish our purpose. Faith to finish in this life. And I want to say that our testimony... At the end of our life, the testimony of all those that have gone before us and all those that ever will be, our testimony depends on our faith in God. That is the key to whether it is a good testimony or not. I want us to open the word. I want us to pray before we start because, folks, what we're doing when we open the word, it is living and powerful. And it is able to discern the thoughts of men. It is able to plant seeds in our heart. It is the only thing that can change it. It's not a man's words. I want us to pray and ask God to open our hearts this morning to his word. Amen. Father, we come before you as just ordinary people. People that you've brought here. You've saved us. You have a purpose for us. We ask that this morning you would open our hearts and our minds to understand your word and that you would bless this time and it would be nothing about man's words or opinions, but it would be about your word. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to read through Hebrews 11 and I want us to consider our own journey and our faith to finish. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. In there it talks about, in verse 1, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance is realization of the things hoped for, the things we can't see. And by it, with by faith, the elders obtained a testimony. Like I said, if we have a testimony at the end of our life, it's going to be because of the faith that we had in God. And as we continue on in verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. 
And as I looked at that, I went back to the story of Abel because it says, what about Abel? By faith, Abel. How did Abel become one of the testimonies for us to look at as we think about our own lives? How did he do that? What about Abel? And I went back and read. And it said, back in Genesis 4, it said, God had regard for Abel's offering, what Abel brought, that God had regard for it. It says he bought, brought the first fruit with the fat. He brought the best that he had, and he gave it to God. It said, by faith, Abel did that, believing in God, believing that God required his best. And as we look at these things, I want us to consider ourselves because we are no different as God's chosen people than the men we read about. But what is it about their testimony? They bought their best. And we ask ourselves, well, what can we bring? What do we give to God in 2015? We don't bring one of our animals. We don't bring it with the fat, our best. I guess we could. I don't know where I would take it. I could pick one out, but that's not what he's talking about. What about our time? What about our money? What about our attention? See, we call these things priorities. In America, there's a lot of sermons and a lot of things said about priorities. It just rolls off the tongue when you're preaching. Folks, get your priorities. But what does that mean? In regard to the testimony of our lives by faith, where does what we bring to God fit into place? Do we bring him the best that we have, or do we bring him what we have left? If we have time, if the bills are paid, if of all the other things that we deal with in our attention, what do we bring? I'm talking about faith to finish and have a testimony. In each one of us, I look out here, we have 200 plus testimonies sitting in here right now, just waiting to be played out. This has to be part of it. I didn't say it. The word said it. As we go down to verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and then a, he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. For Enoch to please God, he pleased him the same way that we'll please him, by faith. He said it is impossible to please God without faith. Read these things and think of it. But be comforted because, as you come down into verse 6, it says, He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is the word of God. In verse 7, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. 
As I read that, I sat back and thought, what is the lesson to be gained from his testimony? I think about, well, it says he was warned. And after he was warned, he moved, he acted, he had action. He prepared. And the result of all that was that his household was saved. Folks, there's a whole lot to be said about the role that a man plays in his household as a father, as a husband. There's thousands of books, sermons, opinions, and ideas. Some say you should shelter your children. Some say you should let them go. You can go all the way from people that completely let their kids live on the street to maybe like my Amish friends. It's a broad spectrum. Somewhere in the middle of that, all of us men have decided on how that we see it. And there's so much to be said about it. There's just thousands of do's and don'ts. And there's thousands of opinions about the role that a man plays in his house. But if we look at the testimony of Noah, whereas he was warned and he acted and he prepared, and the result was the saving of his household, it says he was divinely warned. By faith, he was divinely warned. I want us to consider something today that it's taken me a long time to ever know and understand. But we cannot be good husbands and good fathers and good leaders of our families without faith. We cannot. On our best day and our best strategy and our best determination and dedication, we can't. And I'm going to tell you because there is one truth that we can choose to ignore and pay the consequences or we can recognize it even as uncomfortable as it is. And that is that there is a real devil and there is a real powers of darkness that want our children. And they're out there. They're in the community. They're in relationships. They're in possibly even other family members. They're seeking an opportunity to enter the lives of our children. Unfortunately, some of us were slow learners about that. And there comes a point when you have to go on the attack. You pray over. You pray at. You pray to. You pray in the name of Jesus for deliverance from influences of the powers of darkness that can creep into good church-going families' children. And I'm going to tell you, if we forget this part, then we cannot be good fathers. We cannot be good leaders of our homes. Because without faith to be able to deal with the powers of darkness, we're handicapped into doing the job that God's called us to do. If we forget that point, if we don't put that point first, and first stand in the gap on behalf of our families and our children and our marriages, then everything that follows that, it has no foundation. And it can't be effective. Because the powers of darkness are stronger than a strategy of discipline or a strategy of, of, of 
whatever development we may try to come up with in our families. It is by faith that Noah, being divinely warned, enacted and prepared the result of saving his household, and it will be the same for all of us here. I want us to be, as a church, aware that we are in a spiritual battle, and our children are at stake, and our marriages are at stake, and the children of each other, this family and this family. We're a body. We're a body of believers. We have to, by faith, lead and raise and be family people. Amen? As we go on down, we're in verse 8 now. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, by faith he dwelt in the land of the promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, and heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is the Lord. When I read that, I think about Abraham. We all know the story well, how he was from a family very rooted, very established, and God told him to go, and he didn't even know where he was going. But it says, by faith, Abraham. I can't help but think that there's a room full of people here in some way had a similar story. You moved here from somewhere, not really knowing what you were getting into, but you felt like that's what God had you to do. How many people moved here from somewhere else? Raise a hand. A bunch. I respect that. I respect when people are led by God to act and to move. And to do that by faith, there's one important part of that. After you get there, you can't stop being led of the Lord. You can't stop acting by faith. Is it possible that you could be led to stay? Because sometimes when a person feels like to do something, I need to go. But what if God is leading you to stay and to sink roots? What if your child will be the pastor of this church one day? If there ever was a time, it is time now for a man to be sure that he is leading his family by faith. By faith. It is very important it is very high stakes when a man says, I'm leaving somewhere. Because you take your children with you. And we all, unfortunately, have seen the bad results of that. A family leaves. Ten years later, the children are in complete shambles. And you have to ask yourself and wonder what it would have been like had they not left. If ever before, when we think of eternity... As men, we have to be sure that we are being led by the Lord. And we are acting by faith and not by flesh. Very important. It's high stakes. 
As we go down to verse 11, very familiar. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. The word judged could also be concluded. That she judged or concluded him faithful who had promised. As we turn over to verse 12, it says, Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had been called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Folks, there's an entire message called Strangers and Pilgrims that could be preached out of this Hebrews 11. I want us to look at, in verse 13, it says, after their eyes were open, they had seen them afar off. They were assured of them. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. And it just says, in verse 14, it says, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. I'd like to ask us today, have we declared plainly that by faith we seek a homeland? Do we declare that plainly to our neighbors? What about our children? Do we sit down and declare plainly to our children that we're just passing through this life? We desire a better life, a better, a better country, a heavenly country. Or maybe our neighbors... As we go down to verse 16, it says, But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. I want to tell you this morning that eternity is not very far away. Eternity is really close. It's soon. And for some of us here, it can be sooner than for others. It's right there. See, heaven... Heaven, folks, is not just a word that we use and we focus all of our time, well, we're just trying to get through this life, and then the alternative to hell would be heaven, so that's a lot better. Heaven is real. Heaven is real. I, I want to read you some scriptures about heaven. These scriptures are more precious when someone that you really love dies, and you know that's where they have gone because you begin to... Ask yourself where they're gone, but where are they? And where are they going to? What is it going to be like? And you think about these things, and you open your Bible, and you begin to read them. Allow me to do that. This is, this is free, all right? I'm off the clock right here. This is for free. All right, let me, let me turn to a few of these uh, scriptures. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9.
these are very common scriptures, but I want us to think about eternity as it could be, no one knows, but it's a blink of an eye away. It's having breath and then not away for every one of us. It says in verse 9, it says, Eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And over in John 14, John 14 and verse 1, it says, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Turn over. These are my favorite in the back, all the way in the back of Revelations, where he describes eternity in Revelations 21. This is where a new heaven and a new earth, for the new heaven and earth had passed away. There was no more sea. You go down to verse 4, and it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death. There shall be no more sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And across the page in 22, and he said, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street... And on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There will be no night there. There will be no need for lamp or light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. If we could have a glimpse of eternity in what forever and ever looks like, the things that we bring in this door this morning that we believe to be heavy would become pretty light. The things that we deal with on a weekly basis, the physical things, the material things, the attitudes, the things that stick in under our saddle, they would become pretty light if we could see forever and ever. A place where light is always because the glory of God is the light. There's no need for sun. There's no need for any. There is no night. And I'm here to tell you that for a lot of people, it's really close. People right here in this room, I'm talking about faith to finish. I want us to think about eternity. Eternity is a reality that is part of the Christian life. And we might as well realize that. And we might as well think on it. And we might as well dwell on that. And we might as well seek it and become, as it says in our text about we seek a heavenly country. 
And it said, let's go back to Hebrews. Verse, or chapter 11. In verse 16. It says, but now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Somebody say glory. Hallelujah. That's right there. That is in our future. That is right there at the end of our life. We can't forget that. We have to seek that all of our life. Like mom says lately, she says, I'm seated in heavenly places, and I like the view. Folks, what if that was all of our view? What if we're just, we're just a, shoot, a, a few short days? What's the song say? Just a few more happy days, and then I'll fly away. What if that was a living reality as we live by faith? Because that takes faith. And whenever we start thinking about faith, instead of us thinking, oh, that's just in case I was to get sick or in case I need to pay a bill, what if it becomes life? What if it becomes the way that we, when we get up in the morning, we face our life by faith? What if we get up in the way that we pray to God, the way that we read His Word? Faith in God, it becomes the key to our life. In every way that we relate to situations, to trouble, to anything. Are you all hearing me this morning? Amen. I'm excited about this because it's like for possibly the first time it's alive, folks. This is the key to what we're doing right now. And this will be the key to tomorrow. And when the children are born, it'll be the key. And when people die, it'll be the key. And it's going to be our life. That's why it's called a life of faith. And without it, we cannot have a testimony. But with it, there's 200 and some testimonies in here that will join the ranks of the people in Hebrews chapter 11. Amen? Amen. Amen. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he, should, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. When we read about Moses, we think about that's the man that had the relationship with God. He spoke, he had conversation with God. He was one in Matthew 17 that they said was transfigured on the mountain. That's Moses. He wrote part of the Word of God, the Bible. He was anointed. God's hand was upon him. That is the man that we read about as we read down through here 
and we think about how did that come about? Because he went all the way from being a child to being all those things I just mentioned. That was his testimony, and he did it by faith. I believe I passed verse 17. I think I went to 23. Let's go back to 17. All right. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones. When you think about Abraham, when he offered up Isaac, he said he concluded that God was able. And I think that is what we too have to conclude in all the noise we hear on a daily basis. But God is able. That has to be a conclusion. In verse 19 through 22, I found that interesting. Actually, 20 through 22, that it says, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. In 22 says, By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of Israel. That was a future event. And then in 22, By faith Joseph, when he was dying, I'm sorry, Y'all got me confused up here. <laughs> By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped. He blessed the young sons. Those three verses are about things that had not yet been. They were things of the future. It's difficult to live by faith when there's a lot of uncertainty about our future. That's probably been one of the greatest struggles for anybody that walked by faith is the uncertainty of the unknown. It's the things that we wonder about, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? Because we don't have that ability to know. And if we start talking about a faith to finish, we have to talk about a faith that deals with the unknown, faith in God for the future. And when I think about what about the future of our church that's on the minds of most everybody, who the next leader of our church? Right now we have Daryl for as long as necessary and as long as God has. As long as God has for him to do that. Who knows how long that may be. But there's uncertainty in the air. Uncertainty and unknown. In a church with people who have been taught to believe. And to have faith in God for the unknown. So as we think about that. I want to make a couple of points. There are many ways to serve God. 
It does not have to be as a pastor. There are a lot of gifts. There are a lot of opportunities. There are a lot of ways that as a Christian, God prepares us over time, over hearing of the word, to do the work of ministry. There are a lot of those ministries. I want to give an illustration about something. This is a little bit carnal, but bear with me. When I was young and single, a girl one time came up to me and she said, I don't know how to tell you this, but God told me I was going to marry you. I said, wow. But the problem is, is that soon after that, another girl, now I'm still single, she came up and said, I don't know how to tell you this, but God said I'm to marry you. All right, now somebody's God's lying. (laughs) Because we've got two here. I say all that to make a point. If a person, if a man, if any, anybody here that considers themselves a spiritual enough person that, the, that God Almighty would speak to you, that he would come down and show you and converse with you and say, this is the way that you are going then don't you think we should be spiritual enough people to allow God to bring that to pass without us getting our flesh involved? And as I say that about leadership and about ministry, if you feel called to minister, if you feel like God has his hand on my life, I'm going to go and preach. And you sit there week in and week out, and you're saying, I'm the man that's supposed to do this. If God actually spoke to you, then have faith in God and allow him to reveal it in his time. And in doing so, what it does, it gives no opportunity for the flesh because we are all bound to the will of God. We can decide what we want to do. We can go through this life with a lot of ideas and it molds into what we enjoy. But the fact is that at any age, we are bound to the will of God. And if God says, this is what I've called you to do, this is what I've prepared you to do, this is what I'm going to to bless you and give you the ability to do, that's the will of God, it will come to pass. Let's all have faith that the will of God will come to pass when it comes to this church or any ministry effort that goes out of here. And let's allow ourselves to actually be spiritual people, people that live by faith and not somewhat by faith in a lot of flesh. Because he must increase and we must decrease. So if we're called to ministry... I have, my advice would be to surrender yourself completely to the Lord and to study and to seek what His Word says and to be willing to serve and just work hard. Work hard. But be quiet. And let the Lord bring about 
what he has started, not what we have started. Let him bless and let him direct and let us guide us in ministry. And every day we get up and work hard and study and surrender unto the Lord. When I see, when I see Liza, I see her a couple times a year. I ask her the same question every time. First thing out of the box, you working hard? And she laughs. She knows what I'm talking about. That's what I want to hear. I just want to know she's working hard. I just want us to be about whatever God's will is for our life and work hard. Work hard at it. Go and work. Don't go and talk. Don't go and promote. Go serve the Lord. And it doesn't matter about what we get out of anything. That's not the part of ministry. That's not being a servant of the Lord. At the end of the end of our life, we are unprofitable servants. If you go overseas and you work hard and this and that, you do it namelessly. You do it without recognition. You're serving the Lord. Who are we to say, it is I, the Lord, boy, the Lord really showed me. You've heard the phrase, proud of being humble? You can do that. Oh, brother, we're just getting by for the Lord. You do know that, don't you? Okay. You can tell somebody. Well, that's not the heart that he can use. Y'all hear me in here? To me, this is clear as a bell. Surrender ourselves to the Lord. Get into his word. People need this. They need to be, we need to be able to give a reason of the hope that's within us. But we don't need to give to our own horn and, and, and be known ourselves. That's not what spreading the gospel is about. Just serve the Lord. Serve and work hard. We are bound to the work of, to the will of God, and he'll bring that to pass. Let's move on. already read 23. Let's go to um, in 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. In verse 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe, when she had received the spies with peace. And then the author goes on and, and he, he begins to talk about those who had a testimony, but not as individuals. He begins to say, And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection." Still others had trials of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts 
and mountains, in dens, in caves of the earth. You ever ask yourself and you read that, what made those people different? They were surrounded by family. They were surrounded by communities, people that were like them. What made them different? Why did these people go through life choosing such a different way? Well, it says it's by faith, because of their faith. It says, who through faith, and then it goes down through the list. I want to tell you this morning that if our lives and our testimony are to be different, it will be because of faith. It will be our faith. That is what's going to make our testimony different. When somebody asks us of the reason of the hope that's within us, what is this faith? What makes you different? It has to be simple. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is the reason of the hope that's within us. And that song that we sing here, I've been thinking about it. It's a really good song, and it really connects with the message. The one that says, Though I can't see you with my eyes, deep in my heart your presence abides. Your presence I find. It's a good song. As we go down through, we're almost done here. We go to verse 39. It says, And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What I believe that means, as we look at that the, all these people through history up to this point, they had finished, they had concluded or accomplished their purpose by definition all the way up to the writing of this book. And that they all received a testimony through faith, as it says in verse 39. But in verse 40 it says, they were not made perfect. But if you look at that word, it's complete. And what I believe it's referring to is that history was not finished. That the book was not written, there was more chapters. There were more to join these ranks of those who live by faith. And I believe they've been added to, and they are continuing to do that. If you have any information from overseas in some of the persecuted countries, there's people that are still living the last six verses. They're dying for their faith. And they are joining this group that live by faith. And I believe that Tom Hamilton joined that group. A man that lived by faith... And at the end of his life, he received a good testimony through faith, and he joined them. He finished. He concluded or accomplished his purpose. But folks, we're still here. We have a testimony to finish. That's the story that we have. In closing, if I was to say... If we continue to read right on into the next chapter, it says, therefore. So I would like to say, therefore, Shelbyville Christian Assembly. 
We also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us walk slowly. It says, let us run. With endurance, the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down the right hand of the throne of God. What if it could be that our testimony of all the people here today, that, that by faith we judged him faithful, that we waited on the Lord, that we desired a heavenly country, that we endured hardship, we declared plainly where we were going. And we concluded that he was able and that we pleased God by faith. Faith to finish, folks. I pray that God has spoke those words to someone here and I believe that the devil will have no way to snatch away what God has planted and that we will grow and we will continue to press on in our life so that we can, too, have a testimony and finish by faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we're thankful that you have given us a measure of faith. God, if I could ask one thing for our church today, increase our faith. Increase our faith in you. Have mercy and allow us the time we need so we can become the way and the people that would be pleasing to you and we could obtain a testimony through faith and join all of those before at the end of our life. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name.